Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the dough, where Cash is queen and we hardly know her, but we're still here figuring her out together because y'all, season two is here. Hosted every week by me, X Maya. Remember me? I'm going to be talking to all types of people about their relationship to money. I'm talking to reality stars, entrepreneurs, financial experts, and even some of my own friends. Basically, anyone who will get real with me about their dollars, how they make money, how they spend it, and how they save it. Because I'm trying to retire early, people. Season two of The Dough is out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Lemonada. I'm Kiki Monique, and this is I'm Sorry, a podcast about apologies. And this week, I am getting a new phone, but I, for the first time, I have to turn my phone in. And if you know anything about me and my phone, I am very scared. I hope there is like, I'm going to put it in the microwave. I just don't want anyone to know what's on it. <laughs> oh, that, that, that makes sense. I desperately want to run an operation where I get a hold of your phone for like a couple hours and just snoopity doop 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 doop. And this is Mohanad Al Sheikhi, and I am currently enjoying uh, four seasons a day in New York City and uh, love it so much. Love not uh, ever knowing what to wear and just always feeling uncomfortable. Perfect 10 out of 10, no notes really. <laughs> and my name is Oja Lopez, and this week I figured out how to use my brother sewing machine, and I tried to make myself a bathing suit top. It's not working. Apparently it's complicated, especially if you have giant gazangas. So that's what I call um, boobs, breasts, titties, um, big knocks, doorknobs. I took uh, in the context clues, yeah. Bongo bongos. <laughs> I'm almost mesmerized by how many uh, ways you find uh, to describe that. Uh, what was that one one time you called it? Chess mountains? Chess mountains. Yeah, um, incredible. Uh, just heads. Uh, just You've got two giant heads on your chest. I mean, there's just so many ways. Anything round that comes in twos, um, <laughs> you can. that's what you could call a boot. Amazing. So... I'm welcome to hear more. Whatever people have got out there, I'd love to hear um, what you call your boobies. We are so excited to welcome Ophira Eisenberg. She is a Canadian-born uh, stand-up comedian and writer. She is the host of NPR's Ask Me Another. And she is also regular host and teller for The Moth. Um, there's so much more um, that you've been up to, but I'm just so happy to talk to you about it all. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. I love, I mean, you know, when you start with Canadian-born, 
I just feel like right. I was meant to be on any show that involves apologies and sorry yep. because that has been parroted back to me by every American. They're always like, oh, say sorry because we say sorry, right? You don't say sorry. 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 Right. Yeah. It's not it's not quite fancy. It's not quite the English uh, pronunciation of, of sorry, but it kind of a little bit. Just yeah. a tiny... Yes. And there's a, an ongoing, I guess, I think it's a Canadian joke that how do you get a uh, Canadian to apologize, step on their foot? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You've uh, victimized yourself. Yeah, I <laughs> oh, love that. I love that. You could probably apply that to women, too. I feel like someone steps on my foot immediately. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, what am I doing? But, you know, when someone's going through something uh, unhappy in their lives, and I will say, I am so sorry, and they will say to me, it's not your fault. And I'm like, right. that's a very American thing to say. Okay, that's a very American thing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's the same as like when you say like, I'm sorry. And the other person's like, no worries. Or like they say something that isn't quite like an acceptance of the apology. But they're like, that never caused me any issue in the first place. You're free to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, uh, all right. Well, I guess I'll save my empathy for worthier people. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Yeah. I mean, what do you do you guys come from? big apologizing like families like what is your uh, my question goes to the team like what were apologies like when you guys were growing up kind of thing oh they did not exist Uh, (laughs) i'll tell you that much i literally never heard my dad or mom apologize for anything (laughs) even like when they know they're wrong they like find another way of saying it they would never say i'm sorry those words are like never come out they're just like (laughs) they're sandwiched into like some other like phrases and stuff but there's never like an admission of guilt like i feel like if it was like you know if it was like a a court case or something, we always like reach a settlement. No one like is uh, admits guilt. Yeah, they're like, okay, I'm gonna do this for you. It does not mean that I think I've done anything wrong. I just want you to stop nagging me about this, oh, and that's, that's really it. Funny. Yeah. What about you guys? I don't think, I mean, nothing stands out either mm. way about, you know, my parents, you know, apologizing to each other. I mean, but I always knew immediately when I did something wrong, the first thing to do was say, I'm sorry. So they obviously taught me to do that. But it's like, not like I remember it being a big deal. Yeah, I was I think I was a chronic apologizer. I was just like, I just was constantly apologizing for things that were and weren't my fault. And then I can't remember. I think that's maybe a kid thing, too, where like because you're the center of the universe, it's for good and bad. Like you think that everything bad that happens is somehow some some hidden part of something you did. But I I definitely think um, I think my parents were like yours, Mo. They were just like, we're fucking surviving out here. So stop asking me to do any better than I'm doing. This is it. This is what you get, kid. Um, yeah, I don't remember anyone ever asking me my um, opinion, input, what I liked right. in my family <laughs> as a childhood ever. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was just and so the ultimate, you know, I guess similar in some sense, ultimate um, authority figure kind of relationship with mm. my parents, where, you know, they would not apologize. Or if they did, they would be like, I am sorry that you did that. <laughs> But I I still grew and I don't know if this is just the the being a female thing. I don't know. You know what? I'm so glad you said that about like kids feel like they are 
somehow responsible for bad things. That just made me feel less alone. <laughs> I was like, me, you, okay, not just me. Uh, so there, there was a sense of apologizing for everything, perhaps my existence. I think that was in there somewhere. Yeah. But I'm the youngest of six as well. So oh. uh, I was also, you know, just really teased a lot by my older brothers and sisters. So I was always wanting them to apologize. You know, I was always telling on them, which made oh. me the least likable sibling. Yeah, I don't like that whole snitches get stitches thing um, in sibling in sibling stuff. I'm like, God damn it, I'm being bullied. Somebody help me. Yeah. Uh, but the tattletale, no one likes the tattletale. Uh, Nobody likes the tattletale. <laughs> Mom, I know. You know what Amir did to me? I mean, that was every second thing out of my mouth. That's my brother's yeah. name, Amir. Yeah. They, they want us to solve our, uh, the majority of our own problems so that they don't have to deal with them. Um, so I get that. I mean, I guess 70s, 80s and 90s kids, we were just like raw, raw, no therapy for our parents. <laughs> we were just raw dogging it out there in the world. <laughs> like just they didn't even know why they wanted to have kids. They just had them to have them. And then we had to deal with the consequences of that. Yeah, it was like, put that key around your neck. <laughs> go straight home. You are eight years old. Do not turn on that stove, but cook yourself something <laughs> somehow. Feed yourself. Sit in that basement until I get home. And yeah. It's like, okay, cool. I'm I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> Which is why the pandemic I think didn't bother me. I'm so used to being alone in a basement by myself watching TV. Like this is my life. I'm sorry. My childhood prepared me for this yeah. moment. So I'm I'm ready. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and I know, I, I mean, like, I guess we're also from different areas of the U.S. And I was wondering, like, because in Chicago, I've noticed that people are relatively polite. And also I grew up, I was in the South for a long time before, too. So there's a lot of, like, politeness and sort of like, you know, there's a little bit of bless your heartness. But generally, I feel like people apologize a lot when I'm out in the street. But like, I was thinking about New York in general, and it doesn't strike me as a place where people apologize often or like it almost feels like people are just like have like a single mindedness about going where they're going. And yeah, they there's feel, no time. Right. They feel like tourism, like tourism just for <laughs> existing should be an apology to New Yorkers. Like, is that does that feel accurate? I'm going to say yes. I just feel like <laughs> okay. there's an, a, there's a, I don't think it's a mean thing. When I moved here, I thought it was mean. I thought, I thought I was so used mm -hmm. to, I grew up in Canada. I thought these people are so mean and nasty. And then I hooked into the efficientness. Like if you mm -hmm. left your house and had to apologize for every person that bumped into you, for every interaction that didn't go um, in the most civil, beautiful way, you, that your entire, all, all the words in the world will be used up in that one day of apologizing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no one has a time. Yeah. It's so funny, like, like coming to visit New York and then living in New York. Because when you visit, like, even, like, you're mesmerized by everything. Like, even, like, the people on the subway, <laughs> you're just like, oh, my God, like, someone's playing music and they're, like, people dancing and showtime and all of that shit. And now, like, I've been, I've lived here for a while and, like, anyone tries to do anything on the subway but just write it in peace. I'm like... I am going to kill myself right oh, yeah. now <laughs> if you do not stop. See, I think I, I, I actually appreciate it and miss that sort of the way apologies went in New York because it wasn't it wasn't like a normal apology. Like, I mean, I've been in L.A. for like a year and I feel like people here are way more rude than New Yorkers. Like they oh, just oh. don't. 
I don't know, they don't acknowledge you. Whereas in New York, it's like if I walk through a door and maybe I say thank you and the person didn't hear me and they're like, you're welcome. And then I start screaming, I said thank you. But then like we're not (laughs) mad at each other. We're just yelling at each other. So we both hear each other and then we go about our way. I like respond to that so much more than just like no acknowledgement or just passive acknowledgement. Acknowledgement. Yeah, 100%. I see that. I have found recently, you know, riding the subway and uh, things like that, that I have bumped into someone and, you know, with I'm wearing a mask, but I will audibly say to them, sorry about that. And they will turn to me unsure what to do. <laughs> and then they just sort of give me a chin up kind of nod. Yeah. And I like it. I feel like it, it's, uh, it disarms them for a second. Right. <laughs> That's gorgeous. <Absolutely. laughs> Those little micro stranger interactions I live for. Yeah, the uh, the opposite of microaggression. What's <laughs> that? <laughs> micro apology. It's a micro apology. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a quick moment. So speaking of apologies, you 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 have a kid. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> how old is right. he? Right. He's six. Okay. Do you ever apologize to him for anything, or like how do you oh, even constantly. like approach that? <laughs> you yeah. Do. Oh yeah. Constantly, and sometimes I think that. Uh, that's bad. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I sometimes I'm like, that's bad parenting. That's good parenting. It's good for him to see that we both apologize. Uh, but I apologize for raising my voice. <laughs> I apologize for all of my bad tendencies. Or I, I also apologize to him when something doesn't work out for him the way he wanted it. I mean, I feel terrible. Of course, I want everything to work out for him in impossibility. But he'll tell me something like someone at school called him stupid. And I will say, you know, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And then I'll uh, tell him that, of course, that, you know, he's not stupid and that we're not supposed to do name calling. And I'm sorry, that's, you know, I I go deep into apologies. Although he left his coat at school and then we got, my husband and I both got kind of angry at him about that. We're like, don't leave. You can't lose your stuff. You can't lose your stuff. And then my husband kind of yelled at him and then said, I am so sorry for yelling at you. It's just, I used to lose all of my stuff when I was a kid. And I don't want you to become me because it is a terrible way to live. And my son said, wait, so you're getting mad at me because of who you were in the past? Wow. And I was like, that is all of parenting. Yeah. <laughs> all of parenting is me like feeling shame about who I was in the past and seeing it on you. So Well, you like- even wrote that letter to your friends where you were apologizing <laughs> to your friends who had had kids and then you had them, you know, later than they did. And you were like, I'm so sorry for all of the ways I acted and treated when I was, oh yeah, you know, child free and acting Flippantly. like you couldn't, you know, couldn't get dressed and couldn't come out and couldn't just get a baby. I mean, I love that letter you wrote to them. <laughs> yeah, because I thought uh, just work harder. That's always been my, you know, oh really? You can't all right, do Kim that? Kardashian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with you? I I grew up in a in a little sort of like uh, town of Venezuela, and so I didn't. We didn't have anybody. There was no teen pregnancies. Nobody that really got pregnant. And then I moved to the United States and I had my very best friend. We were 20 and they were 22 and they got pregnant um, like accidentally. And so I felt like I had to really step my pussy up to like understand (laughs) this human who was my best friend who now had a child. Mm. And um, looking back at it, it was a... 
uh, we kind of all raise this little community kid at this point because, you know, we're all just hanging out at 2021. But uh, I, I, yeah, I really, I read the letter too. And I was like, oh my God, I did so many of these things. <laughs> uh, I mean, um, that's the dream because I feel like because I did it late, I ended up with a community of friends that decided that they were not going to have kids. Mm. And then I did it late. And so those are still my friends. And they, uh, they still I mean, I, I think they are sometimes the devil because they'll do the like, come on, just bring them, just bring them. It's a party, just bring them all have fun. And they don't realize that it's not fun to bring a five or six year old to an adult party. Like you get there and yeah. the theme of the party is like, I don't know, broken glass and bourbon. Like it's already <laughs> bad. <laughs> like, how do I, you know, nobody, no one's like, let's help. Like, no, they just. Can I take your place? That sounds like a party I want to go to. <laughs> I don't know why it's broken glass and bourbon. And it's good. It, that probably exists. <laughs> From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There, it's Julia Louis Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. After season one aired, I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few, and of course, my 90 year old mom, Judy. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out now from Lemonada Media. Did any of you know people at any stage that joined some sort of like, uh, it's not Scientology, but, you know, sort of a moving on with your life group that was mildly pyramid scheme where part of it was calling people and apologizing? <gasps> Oh, no. Yeah. I once received a letter from someone that was clearly paying into a group to move on. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if somebody thought that I was because there have been times where I have felt guilty about something and written an email to somebody I hadn't reached out to in a long yeah. time just because I needed to get it off my chest. So they probably thought I was, but I was literally <laughs> just like, I need to let go of this because yeah. karma is a bitch. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's that's like amazing. That's People are paying for that and you just do it on your own. I would brag about yeah. that more often. <laughs> Um, I feel I've had people who were going through a, a 12 step program reach out to me. Oh, yeah. It's two that I can think of that have reached out to me, but they were specifically going through a 12 step program. So I don't right. know if it if that was it's a little bit of a cult, but maybe sometimes people need a cult to stop yeah. doing drugs and alcohol. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking um, speaking of cults, we should uh, talk about uh, the man with the cult. Elon yes. Musk, the worst cult to ever exist. <laughs> The Tesla bros. 
The Ellen Bros. Yeah. <laughs> so what are y'all's, I guess just to start off, what are y'all's like general impressions of Elon? Like he's been in the news a lot in the past few years. If you had to describe him to somebody who has no idea who Elon Musk is, how would you do it? I mean, I really don't think about him often, so much to the point where they did a skit on SNL and they were imitating his voice. And I had to go look at a video because I was like, does he speak like that? Because I actually have no idea. And so like when I think about him, all I think about is a white guy who has way too much money and time on his hands and is secretly just trying to like cultivate Mars. Like he does not want to live on Earth anymore. (laughs) He wants to have hundreds of children move them all and create a civilization that like poor people can't be a part of that's what i think about him yeah well uh, yeah i i think he i think he sucks just to start from there and <laughs> i really hate that man so much and and i think i think it's also like my 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 biggest issue with him is the people who are like so obsessed with him uh mm. and it's just like you know people like view him as like very smart and like just like he made every penny on like with with his brain and all of that and they kind of like worship him that way but to me all all i see is like insecure man who really just wants to be liked so bad because how are you the richest man in the world and you're spending most of your time on social media posting the worst memes that you did not even make stealing (laughs) stealing from other people and just wants to be liked so bad like it's honestly pathetic in a way where this is all you want and you can tell like this is someone who just you know like always like wanted that and now with his money and everything and having like these people he's just like everything he does feels like a stunt yeah like a stunt yeah that's a really interesting way of putting it i think uh when i saw don't look up and mark rylance plays basically the elon musk character and Mm -hmm. is just so obsessed you know obviously has some brains is like working at something but is obsessed self-obsessed and has zero care for anyone any fellow human in any regard i was like that is a beautiful the one of the greatest actors portraying this person with just utter precision and beauty uh because i do not think i think I can't even comment on what it is that him as an inventor or as a um, visionary, all I see is a power thirsty individual who uh, is completely corrupted and obsessed with, yeah, their own voice. I mean, just have lunch in space and leave us alone. That's what I say. (laughs) Just have lunch in space and leave us alone. Go for it. It is a strange, like, acknowledgement that these billionaires are like i would rather start an entire new planet than try to help the one that i already live on and it seems like they're all doing it like it's the metaverse it's the it's the amazon it's the branson it's the te- like i don't understand why this feeling of like interplanetary like communion or this strange i don't understand the pull to that it seems bizarre and i think it's once you have too much money and nothing excites you anymore and you can't get a boner for i don't know the stock market anymore then you're like i need to time and space travel well it's also like arrested development it's like there's six-year-old boys literally yeah yeah 
100%. And also, like, you have, like, these people who are, like, psychopaths. Like, they do not care about helping people. They do not want to help people unless it brings them, like, some kind of, like, admiration or, like, people, like, would. And they have that. They have these lunatics who will just, who do not have as much money as they are, not even close, who want to be one day just like these guys, like Elon Musk right. and, 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 and Jeff Bezos and, and all of these people. So everything they do is epic to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like every tweet, every word they say is just like, it's like sent by God. And they're like, this is so amazing. I want to be this man. Even though like if you look at most of the th- stuff that they want to do logically, absolutely makes no sense. Yeah. I want a little bit of that. I want that. <laughs> I don't need all of it. I just want to be... A delusional, hot, fat woman walking through the streets of America, believing that everything that I say is a diamond gold mine that everybody should listen to. <laughs> I, you know, I agree with you. Early on in the pandemic, and I do joke about this, there was a, a actress who posted on Instagram that, she, you know, she let her hair go gray. She stopped dyeing her hair. And she wrote that she let her hair go gray in support of the first responders. And I was just like, oh, my God, is it possible to do less? Like, what? <laughs> what? Like, what like, but, the, but the ego behind that, that it's like, can you imagine if I was like, I'm letting my fingernails grow for, <laughs> you know, famine? Yeah. Uh, you know, we're like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's not a thing. <laughs> you mean you're going to stop doing the most minimal thing you were already doing? Like I'm letting my, yeah, I'm letting my hair grow out. Uh, right. Yeah. And for, you know, whatever, for the troops. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's meaningless shit, but it's also like you have a lot of these people like have no, they don't know what the public is like or what they want. They have like, they do not know how just like normal people live. So they think, right. this, they, they really believe that this is enough. This is what people want from them. <laughs> Uh, and people right. do and people do kinda that's the problem yeah well yeah exactly exactly and i and i think about it sometimes you know like obviously like you know i i do stand-up comedy and i obviously the whole art form is about being liked this is all you want you want people to like you and enjoy what you're doing and you cannot really what you're doing cannot exist without people you know responding to what you're doing but at the same time i keep thinking about it, i'm just like i really never want to have like be a cult leader like have people just like blindly believe and like everything i do because i feel like if that happens then if you know the moment you like fall from grace is going to be the hardest because you just i feel like that happens to a lot of people where they really believe that they're just like you know they believe they're it they're the thing and then (laughs) when they're abandoned they're just like holy shit there's no one that actually likes me it's insane. You know, there's like every Easter, a picture goes around of Jared Leto and like an old woman looking up at it and, you know, thinking that she's praying to Jesus. <laughs> this Easter, Jared Leto posted it on his own feed. And I was like, dude, you're not getting the joke. And that's weird. <laughs> and what? Like, I I love, yeah. I love Jordan Catalano. I've been in love with Jared Leto since, you know, I was a wee thing. But... I'm kind of loving that he's just getting joked so much lately by like carried by Mohanad. Gen Z. I mean, it's been <laughs> Mohanad. Mm-hmm. But like, I was just like, he's not in on the joke. He, they like 
this idea of being a god to people and, yeah. and billionaires, they're the worst. There's no good billionaire. I don't care who you you're. There's no such thing yeah. as a good billionaire. They're all terrible people underneath it all. Because you can't want that much power no. and 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 it be from a good place. You can't even. I don't think you can amass a million dollars and be from a good place. Like I just think that. Well, I'm gonna try to. Dis- I will. <laughs> you I wanna, say you that's possible. You wanna, should we try? Yeah. Should yeah. Try? And Let's, report back. Yes. <laughs> and the thing about like you know amassing that like amount and like not wanting to help people is insane to me because I feel like any time in my life I have you know made an amount of money that was more than I've ever made before. I'm always like thinking about like first of all I don't know what the fuck am I gonna do with this this is like a lot and I'm just like like your brain immediately goes like what can I donate some of it to something because I'm just it 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 feels right and I'm just like it's so insane to me that the concept of helping other people does not bring them joy yeah or they also just don't think well I'll never miss this like what if I just gave the bank account number to someone i if i can't come up with a good idea i'll just i know someone that exactly. will have a good idea exactly <laughs> like imagine like finding like even one person i'm like i'll pay your rent for a year or so like does that not make you happy it's so insane to me I like literally hadn't paid my phone bill and I was driving down the street and saw this homeless man who had two puppies and only had $10 on it and gave it to him because I was like, I need you to feed your puppies. Who cares if my phone gets cut off, right? (laughs) You need to feed the puppies. And I would think that I would carry that into being a billionaire, but that's probably why I won't be a billionaire because in order to be a billionaire, you can't care about the the puppies need to die, right? That's right. There's going to be a couple puppies sacrificed <laughs> yeah. for your billions. Right. Exactly, exactly. And, and and also like for you to be a billionaire, you have to also think that the people who are poor, who are people who, you know, not even poor, like do not are not at that level of wealth is because they don't work hard enough. They're not as smart as you. They deserve to be poor. Yeah, I didn't actually know the concept of a trust fund kid till I moved to New York, not to say there aren't rich people in Canada. I just Mm. didn't know them. And I remember going to someone's really nice apartment, you know, as a 25 year old and thinking, if I work really hard, (laughs) like one (laughs) day that I was like, oh, no, exactly. And it's so insane to me because they're like, because I feel like once you start believing that the people who are in such bad conditions deserve it, it's because of their own doing. Yeah. That is when you like start like to lose all empathy and you're like, I'm not giving them my money because if I give them money, they're going to lose it anyway. And yeah. yeah, they're not like, oh, maybe the system is like against them and they literally work all day and like they have three jobs or so and they still cannot afford it because, you know, and I, and, and I can't remember where I read this, but like, you know, like being poor is expensive. It's very expensive to be poor. Yeah. There's so much more that you need and so much like places you'll find yourself in where you have to spend more money than you have and so, some people like Elon Musk don't don't think that don't think about that no yeah yeah I think especially like uh, and I, I mean just to get into like the bigger concept of of you know what capitalism means to us and why it feels like it's brimming in such a fucked up way right now that we all have so many opinions on billionaires is the idea that they're benefiting from an kind of an unjust economic system where it's like they're not actually making that money they're sort of taking it from the people that they are legally allowed to take it from in some ways and it feels like like policy failure and so people get angrier and angrier and angrier absolutely and i wonder 
I wonder if those cushy government subsidies, if, you know, like all those healthcare costs that they're supposed to be covering are still remaining high, like all that, like inequity, I feel is brewing and I can feel it. And I wonder if. I wonder if things are going to change in the next 30 or 40 years. Like we've seen crazy things happen and revolutions happen. So I'm wondering if this is like catalyzing it, you know, that they're also so visible. That sounds hopeful. I like the no. idea. I know. <laughs> Am I hopeful? My, my partner, my my girlfriend, Rachel, is like, get a guillotine, just put it on their doorsteps and see if they have a conscience. <laughs> Hi, I'm June Diane Raphael. And I'm Jessica St. Clair. And each week we are sitting down to talk all about life's twists, turns, and absurdities on The Deep Dive. From exploring the depths of TikTok, which is our only news source, to navigating the complexities of grief and loss, we are just two best friends behind a mic processing life together. This podcast is all about finding the silver linings in the madness. So get ready for unfiltered conversations about motherhood, careers, pop culture, and everything in between. Here at The Deep Dive, we're all about community. We believe in the power of sharing experiences and the strength that comes from supporting one another. And we would love to have you with us. So be sure to join us every Wednesday on The Deep Dive from Lemonada Media, wherever you get your podcasts. Do you ever get hit with a cringy memory of your 13-year-old self out of nowhere and suddenly you're panic sweating and laughing at the same time? Don't, don't worry, don't worry. We all get that. It's because being an adolescent is one of the most visceral shared experiences we have as people. And we want to talk about it. Join me, Penn Badgley, and my two friends, Nava and Sophie, on Podcrushed as we interview celebrity guests about the joys and horrors of being a teenager and how those moments made them who they are today. New episodes of Podcrushed are out now wherever you get your podcasts. Is Warren Buffett, does he own Wall Street Journal? And then is it Bezos that owns uh, Washington Post? Post yeah. And it's like they each have to have their own toys. And whether it's like a yacht yeah. or it's a news outlet or it's a big thing. And to me, like when I see Elon saying that he wants to purchase Twitter, I'm like, that's going to be his toy that he gets to Absolutely. say that he owns in some way or another. Um, so in my mind, it's like, do, uh, cause I read a, a couple of articles, but do you feel like it's a stunt? Do you feel like it's a strategy? Like, what do you, what is he doing? I wish there was just transparent. Like, there's no way we can say like, oh, by the way, the king would like an open forum, you know? <laughs> right. So, you know, the techno so wish, king, <laughs> the techno king would like, we all want democracy, says the king. So uh, if he was transparent, like, let's just say Elon Musk said, I want to own Twitter because I want to control what goes on Twitter. Like you could be outraged about that, but I'd be like, "Oh, this is interesting." Okay, but to to do the like, I'm going to own, you know, th this thing that was meant to be a you know virtual town square has gone off the rails, so I'm going to own it to restore its inherent value. Like that's when you're just like, okay, now now this is the worst version 
of Twitter. You're actually doing what we're fighting against in this forum. Exactly. And also like the whole thing about like, you know, every time I hear a billionaire or like uh, a multimillionaire, like even like Joe Rogan or like any of these podcast guys or now Elon Musk and Bezos talk about free speech. Yeah. I always want to like, like, what's your idea of free speech? What does that mean to you? Is it a white dude saying the N word? Is that is that free speech? <laughs> because this is what you think free speech is. It's also like, to them, free speech is always annoying. It's always like being able to say dark and offensive stuff, even though they have no idea what that means to them. And uh, people are so sensitive, even though they are the ones who are like extremely sensitive and cannot take any criticism or or any of that. Uh, so Elon Musk saying like we we want to bring like freedom of speech to to Twitter, I mean, there is no one stopping you from saying anything you want on Twitter for the most part. Most of the people who get suspended and whatnot, you know, is safety and like uh, safety issues. Like, uh, I'm sorry that you cannot tell someone that you want to kill them or that you want to post someone's like address. Online, does Twitter have problems? Absolutely, it has a lot of problems. For example, it does not regulate hate speech well, and it just like let it go. Like they are like, if you post a music video and use like something copyrighted, they will come at you immediately. If someone, if someone is a Nazi and posts your address online, they will just take their time working through that. So to hear these guys just talk about like, you know, freedom of speech and and whatnot. And it's so funny to me because people who believe that they fight for freedom of speech the most and will not stop talking about it usually have nothing of importance to say. Never, (laughs) never anything interesting to say. So, yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, it's a, and it's unfortunate. I mean, I think also that just even the idea of someone being like free speech that has been co-opted much like the American flag to um, very far right-wing groups who do not want freedom of speech. They want freedom of hate. Absolutely. So, and I think you're right too when it's like Elon Musk wants freedom of speech. No, no, no. The the fact that the music, what music licensing or what have you will shut you down within a second of posting anything that is a copyright law versus a, a Nazi sentiment shows you that the whole thing is a capitalistic machine anyways. So let's not pretend this is a forum of free thought. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's not great when someone who is has so much money than you can ever imagine just wakes up one day and just decides, hey, I want to purchase this big website that the whole world uses. It's yeah. not to me this is not a perfect it's not a great system. Uh but what do I know? <laughs> but then again, maybe yes, maybe it's time to watch Twitter die. I mean that will just kill it. I am for that. Like if Elon Musk <laughs> Yeah, can, I know you are, Mo. If Elon Musk this is the only the only way I would accept him buying the whole company. If he is willing to ruin it, completely <laughs> destroy it, it. I want my life back. This is truly highlighting <laughs> your love-hate relationship with Twitter in a profound way. And I <laughs> I think the idea that he's like, or the Washington Post did that thing where it's like peak billionaire stuff. Like this truly is a delusional, insane thing. And I love that if it does die, that we're all sort of like, yeah, we're fine with that. <laughs> like, oh, absolutely. Welcome Can we it. contribute to that? Can we, <laughs> yes. can we help you? Um. Because we know, like, there's something about Twitter already that already is a poison pill. Like, there's just something about it 
the is it quite working and the fact that he feels like to make it more open to make it to you know open up the uh, he's he talked a little bit about opening up the algorithm so that people can change it and uh, and have opinions on it like some of it I'm like I get but it just already feels like like a kind of fucked up company in so many ways and I guess my my question out to you is when uh when we were kind of going through all of this I realized too you you heard about the whole the the jet thing where it's like this teenager on Twitter has an account that is essentially just tracking Elon's jet and then I guess Elon didn't like it and then immediately it's like two or three days later he starts buying up shares like that feels peak billionaire to me too yeah someone someone hurt his feelings yeah. Yeah. I want to, I like, to me, this is, I hope that it's all based in this pettiness because then I can actually in, get involved in this storyline <laughs> yes. in a fun way. Cause I just like <laughs> live for petty. I live for mess. Like, because, you know, if he really did, he wants this, what, freshman in college, he tried to offer him, what, $5,000 uh. to stop posting, you know, his jet, which I guess he denies or whatever. But he, yeah, he feels like I want, to kick off whoever I want, which, by the way, is like the opposite of what you say you want. But I hope it's this petty because what I feel like in all of this, remember that skit? Um, I think it was an SNL skit with Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock when Trump, it was during the Trump election. And they were just sitting there with their white friends in the back and just kind of like, yeah, you know, he's going to win. And that was me. That was me in Brooklyn. Like, yeah, Trump's going to win. They're like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. And I'm like, and even if he does, like, I don't know if it matters, like this white guy or that white guy. That's how I feel about this Twitter thing. I'm like, okay, if Elon owns it or Elon doesn't own it, I don't know. And it's all white guys who are just doing annoying things. And I don't know if I care. But if he's doing it because he doesn't want his jet tracked, I'll pay attention. Because what a little little baby. I want the name changed to Elon Musk's Twitter. Like I want him to go hard on needing that to be called so we know exactly what we're getting into. We're not getting into an open forum. We're in in a conversation all the time with Elon Musk. Can you imagine paying $43 billion or so because you want to stop people from being mean to you on Twitter? That's... (laughs) fucking insane to me like oh my god i'm just like man it's it's so it's it's so funny to watch because it's just like this it's that yeah. it's the jet and also people just dunking on him non-stop because he's a he's a fucking psycho yeah it's so that he yeah he can do that and also i think he really wants to get in on this joke of being like the first african-american to own a social <laughs> media platform because like the amount of retweets of like his elon bros i'm like i can't which is another reason don't ever call me an african-american if you do not refer to me as black I will not talk to you because exactly this, exactly this. It's so, yeah, that, that thing, I'm just like, I hate it so much. Uh, the whole like African-American thing where they like try to describe Elon Musk as that. First of all, I mean, I don't know if it, if if uh, if you dabble in reading, uh, but he's from <laughs> South Africa, and even in South Africa, I would I would say that he is still European. Uh, well, even in his wiki profile, it says his father is a white South African. Why you got to add that white in? Why can't you just say South African? Because that's how much you want to be separated exactly. from Africa. Exactly. Yeah. Where did these white people come from in Africa anyway? <laughs> And also, it's it's so stupid because like everyone knows every like when you say African American, everyone knows it's not a location thing. It's like what a person looks like. 
Like their, yeah, their right. skin color. Like I was born and raised in North Africa. If I ever become an American, it would never call myself African. It does not make any sense because African American is equals black. That's this is what it this is what it means. Yeah. But these people just love this shit. They just love taking something and being like, "Yeah, let's be annoying about it." I'm just like, "Have at it." You're so stupid, <laughs> so annoying. That's why we should. That's why see someone who is very good at silencing voices. Wants yeah. to own public forums. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. the whole thing. And it's so funny uh, offering that kid who had the jet thing $5,000. $5,000? Like, this is how much you think people who are like poor people think is a lot of money. $5,000. Right. But to Elon's credit, I will say, you know, our government did give us $1,200 for two years worth of pandemic coverage. (laughs) So in his mind, he thought he was really doing something. 100%. 100%. Now it's time for my, my favorite segment, which we do every week. It's called Sorry Not Sorry, where we either apologize to someone for the week for something that we did it can be anything or which i like to do the most is demand an apology from a person a group or the weather it does not really matter and as always i'm gonna start with oha thank you i would like to demand an apology this week i went to a psychic it was a fun late night situation with a friend and um i'm gonna tell you something right now (laughs) That psychic lied to me the whole time. She, I, I sort of played along with it to see what she was going to say. But at one point or another, she told me that my mom was trying to speak to me from the dead. My mom is fully alive. She's just a, a full, real, alive person. And that my mom um, wanted to talk to me about some things that I had done as a child that she still had a problem with. She was like, what? I, I Literally, I'm in the session going like, what are you talking about? I think maybe she was an insane person. To be fair, though, knowing moms, <laughs> knowing my mom specifically, yeah. she would try to reach out to me from every like <laughs> platform ever, even the dead. So, Yeah, even while living, my mom exactly. just channeled through this psychic to tell me that I needed to call her um, as an emergency. And then when I called her, she said you should call your dad it's his fifth anniversary from his retirement and tell him you love him those are the kind of emergencies my mom calls me for you ever have your mom just text you in the middle of the night just like your name and you think something bad happened <laughs> like my mom would do that which is like she's like haunted 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 and it sounds like, like your mom is already haunting you is it, she is she, she is and there's a big time difference between us like over eight hours and she does not care uh, about that uh she would send me a text to me at like 4 a.m. And then I'm like, mom, like it's 4 a.m. here. And it's just like, well, it's 12 p.m. here. So I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. uh, she would get banned even if she was my mom, because people who don't just tell me exactly up front what the text is, they like just do like exactly. a question mark and then wait yeah. for my response before they tell it drives me. I will throw my phone like out the window <laughs> when I see that. I cannot take it. Exactly. At 100 percent. Uh, well, Kiki, what's what's happening with you this week? Um, you know, I want an apology from um, this guy who I, I don't like people who under don't understand elevator etiquette. Elevator etiquette is very, very simple. Um, and 
I was, I went to this doctor's office. I hadn't been there before. And, you know, it was like, you know, you had to go down into the parking garage and I had to go down like, you know, it was like P1, P2, B, A, B, C or whatever. And so I got to like B level, but it all looks the same, right? And then I had to take the elevator up to the doctor. Coming back to the car, I, you know, I hit the B level and I'm just sitting there looking at my phone and then the door opens and then I'm like, oh, and it all looks the same. So I get out and then this guy, like, you know, he rushes in. So I like get out. And I realized I wasn't at B, I was at P1 and he mm. had done the thing where he had hit both buttons. So he was trying to go up, but he had hit both buttons. So instead of getting in and saying, are you going up or down, which is proper et- etiquette, especially if you've hit both buttons, I get out and then the door closes and now I have to wait for him to go all the way up and then wait for it to come all the way down. And I was just like, you know, I just don't like people who don't know elevator etiquette and you owe me an apology because now I had to like, then I had to get back on for just like one more. I couldn't like take stairs down. I had to get back on this elevator, wait like five minutes for like one little floor down. Just rude. Yeah. You essentially yeah. encountered a psychopath in the wild <laughs> and you, and he showed you that he was a psychopath through his actions. And now, you know, he probably, the reason it probably took so long to get in, he probably pushed every button when he got in there. Just like, yeah, weirdo. Why are you pushing all the buttons? Mm-hmm. Pushing all your buttons. That's what he did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. God. Uh, well, I'll, I'll go. Yeah. And I mean, I don't have anything, you know, big. It's, uh, I'm demanding an apology from, uh, from my girlfriend, Rosie, cause she, uh, was, <laughs> yeah, she listened to the, this podcast. So this will get to her eventually. I mean, I can, I, <laughs> this is how you talk I, I, I mean, <laughs> through your podcast. Yeah, I sent her like, you know, messages on this podcast and she asked me what's wrong. I'm just like, listen to the next episode. You will hear it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to tell it to your face. Uh, but uh well this week she was in, she was in Michigan visiting a friend for the weekends and uh we have two cats who are uh extremely needy they're can be insane and having to spend the weekend with them honestly looking at my my arms right now is just like uh like the battle scars <laughs> Because, like, they, you know, they're used to us both being at this apartment, especially, like, after, like, we got them right before the lockdown. So, this is all they know, us being there all the time just for their needs. And it was just me this weekend, and they just went insane. (laughs) They just wanted my attention 24-7. And they'd come to my, like, the bed at 7 a.m. and just, like, climb on it, and they're just like... Come on, feed me, wake up. So I literally couldn't get anything done during the day because of them. So what I'm saying is, you know, like I would think that she should uh, never travel or leave right. uh, <laughs> again. Fair. That is how all husbands feel about when their wives leave. They're like, yeah. I ha- you forced me to take care of my own children. And that's not cool. Exactly. I'm not here to do. Do I also travel and leave her with the cats alone? Yeah, maybe I do that almost every weekend. But uh, it happened to me now, and I think that <laughs> yeah. is unfair. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm just impressed yeah. your cats didn't jump up until 7 a.m. Mine are definitely 5 a.m. Like it's jumping on my face. It's time to eat. So if wow. your cats are willing to w- wait till 7 a.m., like I'll switch with you. Yeah, well, <laughs> Ophira, none of us have children, so we complain about what we can. Okay, <laughs> I, uh, you know, 
I'll just say this. I used to have a dog. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Get that. So, and anytime anyone says to me, do you have a dog? And I say, I used to have a dog. That's a good way for people just to get wide eyed and sink back. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's a good way to get an apology. <laughs> so Ophira, what's, uh, what's happening with you this week? Do you need an apology of someone? Do you apologize to someone? What's happening? You know what? I'm going to switch gears because I'm so sick of apologizing. Yes. Yeah. And I want I want many things to apologize to me, but I'm going to go kind of big because you know what? I, who I I want? I guess I want the healthcare system and the pandemic to apologize to me at the same time because I just found out that New York City is no longer giving free COVID tests. What? If you go to give a COVID test, it costs because New York City, a place where, um, you know, uh, rates are rising a bit and is obviously very dense and has many, many markers that during any kind of infectious disease uh, makes it just a vulnerable place, has decided that it is no longer a major threat. So... You have to pay for your COVID test, but does is it? It's that's the insurance company. The insurance company is clearly putting pressure on New York City to decide to do this. So you have to go. You can still get it for free, but you have to go to these little tents that are littered around and ask if they are run by the city or the state, because the state, for whatever millisecond, is going to still offer them for free. So. Good luck, everybody. It's all going to be <laughs> That's fun. ridiculous for so many reasons. Because one, uh, I just saw an alert pop up on my phone today of like a famous DJ, K. Slay, that passed away from COVID. So it's like, okay, clearly this is still a thing in New York. Like, one. And B, I am so sick of insurance companies, period. Like, I don't know if you heard that story this weekend. It was a terrible story of guy who like ran down this girl like over and over. Like they had, oh, like, yeah. she was trying to take a picture of his license plate. And so he ran her down. He was the psycho. But the worst part of the story, which surprisingly isn't her getting run over, it's that she goes to the hospital. Her insurance company says, because it was an intentional act, we do not cover this. I'm like, I'm sorry, intentional act. Someone tried to murder me. This is exactly what my insurance should cover if someone tries to murder me. So I'm sure they'll change course once it goes viral. But I'm like, drop the name of that insurance company because I want I want them to go Ooh, viral. I want people to know yes. who this insurance company is so that we can all stop paying their premiums. This is a call to action. Okay. Bring them down, baby. Yes. Yeah. It's always good to leave with a little bit of like, and uh, I don't know, but and. And I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm very angry. And I will take in this pent up frustration and turn it into some kind of long term disease. Thank you very much. You're going to see a very aggressive tweet. Ophira, thank you so much for joining us. This was a blast. Thank you for having me. This was so great. And uh, where can people find you? I'd love to. I don't follow you on on Twitter, but I will. I will. I'm popping up my phone right now. Please do. Uh, I'm on all of the social media at Ophira E, because if you can believe it, at Ophira was gone. However, I am at Ophira on Venmo. So who won, Ophira? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You did. Who won? Uh, and if I may, I have a new comedy album coming out uh, in a week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so exciting. It's called Plant Based Jokes, you know. So Hell we'll put yeah. our links in and make sure everybody can click on that. Thank you <laughs> yes. so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm Sorry is a Lemonada Media original. The show is produced by Alex McCohen. Supervising producer is Chrissy Pease. 
Our executive producers are Stephanie Whittles-Wax and Jessica Cordova-Kramer. Our mix is by Kat Yor, and theme music was composed by Xander Singh. If you like this show, please rate and review. And please don't cancel us. You can find out more about our show at Lemonada Media on all social platforms or follow us on Instagram at I'm sorry underscore podcast. We'll be back next week. And until then, be nice, play fair, and always say I'm sorry. Thanks for listening. I'm Paul F. Tompkins. I'm Lauren Lapkus. I'm Scott Ackerman, and together we make up the show Freedom! Freedom is a show where the three of us who are comedians and also friends, we all just hang out, we tell stories about each other, and <laughs> <laughs> ourselves, usually. We're constantly telling stories about each other. You gotta hear what Paul did. <laughs> and we play games, and we laugh a lot. It's just that simple. It's a really easy podcast. This is a pretty good representation of the show. Actually. It's actually exactly what it is, plus singing. <laughs> so, listen to it now. The new season's out. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. Just go outside and scream freedom. Just like we do. Freedom! Freedom! Last Day is a show about the moments that change us. I just don't think I will ever get used to this. I'm Stephanie Whittles-Wax, and I have had one of these moments. We all have. So let's unpack the chaos that is our human existence together. I don't believe things happen for a reason. I don't believe the universe has a plan. Each week, I sit down with a new guest to explore happy, sad stories of transformation. It's leaning far, far into the pain. That's what it is. Listen to Last Day wherever you get your podcasts.